Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. You're listening to the Archaeology Podcast Network. This is the CRM Archaeology Podcast. It's the show where we pull back the veil of cultural resources management archaeology and discuss the issues that everyone is concerned about. Welcome to the podcast. Hello and welcome to the CRM Archaeology Podcast, episode 264 for May 17th, 2023. I'm your host, Chris Webster. On today's show, we talk about how to prevent or at least lessen burnout in CRM. So get ready to do some yoga because the CRM Archaeology Podcast starts right now. All right, welcome to the show, everybody. Joining me today is Bill in California. Good morning. Andrew, again in California. How's it going, everybody? <laughs> Heather, Heather, just basically across the street from Andrew in California. <laughs> Hi, everyone. <laughs> All right, and then we've got Doug over in Scotland. It's a full house today. Jeez, how am I always like the non-Californian person these days? <laughs> Even I'm in California right now. <laughs> I know, man. Like, do you guys remember when the when the podcast we like used to cover like all of I America know. across all the time zones and Canada? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. This is why I started saying where everybody is is calling in from, but now I might just have to stop it to be honest with you because it's it's like all the same every time and we we don't have a lot of spread anymore. So, and, until I leave California, then there will at least be three of us, Doug, you, me and California. <laughs> so, <laughs> hey, it's we'll a see. big state, right? It is. We'll have to wait until like until like, you know, Andrew's off in, in Belize recording from there and, and Bill's down in the, the Caribbean somewhere. And then, you know, Heather's off in another state doing a project or something. Then it'll be more interesting. So we'll, we'll yeah. wait for that. So, well, and also you were saying you were saying that uh, Heather's right across the street from Andrew. That could be a 45 minute drive yeah. in California. You <laughs> yeah, can, yeah, you can exactly. see where you want to go and it just takes you an hour to get your car to it. Right. It's easier to walk. Yeah. It's easier yeah. to walk. Yeah. No. I know. I'm probably, I haven't looked at the map, but I'm probably less than like 70 miles from you guys right now, but it would probably take two hours right. to get there. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's, probably, it's probably faster <laughs> for all of us to get to Scotland than to get across the street. It's <laughs> <laughs> probably true. Yeah. All right. Well, you know, speaking of driving a lot and being away from home a lot, let's talk about burnout in archaeology. That's going to be the topic today. It was my topic choice today. And check down at the show notes. We're going to have some resources down there for you to take a look at some of the stuff that a few members of the podcast have put together. And I figured we would talk about this because not only this is this a topic where if you're listening to this, you know, in the future and you're running through a back catalog or you're looking for something in particular and you just happen to find this episode, it's still going to be timely, I think. And then also, if you're listening to this in real time, it's the middle of, well, it's the middle of May as this is coming out, 2023. And for a lot of people, this is when the field season really starts to ramp up. For a lot of people, it already has, right? It's already in full swing. But even if, you know, just looking at the entire United States and, and probably Canada, 
it should be just about everywhere starting to come into uh, full swing right now, especially some of those places that are coming out of a, a deep snowpack <laughs> over the winter in, in like California and some other places where the winter has just been hanging on and you can't do anything. I, I have a friend that ended up having to take a completely different job from a company he's worked for for like five years because almost all of their contracts are in places that are completely under snow and they just they just haven't been able to do anything for the last like five months. It's been uh, totally rough. So, but even places like that are starting to thaw out and, and people are starting to get into it. So um, because of that, as Heather can probably attest to, I'm sure there are lots of contracts that are supposed to be done yesterday and the contractor mm-hmm. and client wants always. them done now. Yeah, always. always. And, uh, and that means people are going to be in the field, in the field, in the field. And that can really put a strain on you. So maybe we'll start with you, Heather. Uh, I'm just curious as to, you know, when you guys have your, well, you have full-time employees that you you manage and they may get full, the full resources of your company as far as, you know, maybe even mental health and, and things like that if they want it, but your as needed people, you know, sometimes it can be really rough on them because they don't necessarily always get the full resources of the company. And it's just like, mm-hmm. bam, 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 project after project. If you like them and you keep them around, there's very little break and very little time to even take a vacation if you were to request one, because there's just no real time for that. So how do you address that with like your as needed employees? I'm just curious. Well, I've been a like a proponent of all of our well, we have a, a really extensive wellness program, a, a lot. <laughs> I mean, you could probably spend 20 hours a week on wellness programs that we have with our company. And so it's that extensive. So I'm always a proponent in extending that invitation to all of our as needed employees. So emails mm-hmm. do go out to our, our as needed as well to take advantage. And it is paid on these, you know, okay. wellness programs that we have. We have even have like yoga over, over zoom and things like that. Mm-hmm. Obviously there's some, has to be some, you know, if you're working in the field, you can't do it, right? But we do have a lot of recorded sessions that, that can be you know, looked at later when they are in the hotel room or whatever. Mm-hmm. So that's one aspect. I don't think everybody connects in that way. I, I don't have the time <laughs> to do that. <laughs> and when I, I, I always like look at the, you know, my colleagues and I were like, who has time to go to these wellness things? But some people do. And you know what? People, uh, I shouldn't laugh about it because I'm not, I'm a, ter- I'm terrible at taking the personal time to allow myself to, to have, I don't know, some balance in my life. I'm not good at that. Yeah. But I think that, that that's one thing for as needed specifically. And I, I don't know, are we talking just about as needed? Because I'll tell you, the burnout is significant in the field when you are physically working, right, all the time. But I'll tell you, like, going nonstop with, you know, every single day of the year, writing and managing. Yeah. and I mean, oh, yeah. burnout is a real thing for for other aspects, right? But we could probably spend a whole time just on, on the field aspect of burnout. I was only mentioning as needed for your company because because I know you guys have good solutions for your full time employees and I I wasn't yes. sure if that if that extended that's to the as needed. Um, it does yeah, carry but, I would say the other yeah. thing that I do is is I really do try to connect with our regular as needed folks and there's no shame whatsoever. Somebody says I need some time. We really mm-hmm. do work around the as needed folks. There are people that we understand. What, I can think of one in particular right now. She's very good. And when she's able to work, we pour her work. When she can't work, 
she doesn't work. I mean, we really do work around her lifestyle. I try to do that the best that I can. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Bill. Yeah. I, I'm glad that you said something about not being good at taking care of your own self because those systems are only as good as the people who, yeah. you know, if you take advantage of them. And that was the other thing that I, I, I'm glad you mentioned that the burnout is real because that a lot of us are actually going into that. We're going into the field season already crispy from what just mm-hmm. happened over the last winter. <laughs> and I think that with all the shortage of folks and, you know, how much people are, you know, kind of overworking or double working and all the different stuff that everyone's doing. I think that, you know, we may be seeing a year where a lot of people are actually already coming in burned out. And I don't, I mean, this, mm-hmm. the show's coming at a good time, but I mean, definitely the burnout is very real in my life and I'm supposed to go out in the field and, and handle all this other stuff that I'm supposed to do. So yeah, I, I guess maybe some tips on how to handle that. Yeah, indeed. Heather. Yeah, I'll just say something real quick. I really, I wish, and maybe this is another topic, but I wish that there was some way we could connect those people that really do want to work and companies, because I'll tell you, there's a lot of people are saying there's no work out there yet. When we contact people, they're very picky about what they want to do. Mm. (laughs) And they're like, I don't want to do it if it's this, and I don't want to do it if it's that. And, you know, I teach my kids that, and it's reality Life is about doing 70% of what you don't want to do. That's I'm not talking about like misery or stuff that, you know, like ethically you don't want to do. I'm talking about like stuff that that's not fun. It's boring. Life's about yeah, doing 70% you don't want to do in order to do the 30% you do. And that's life. Mm-hmm. And so I think sometimes I do hear that. I hear people are like, well, you know, I'm a little picky on what, what kind of job do you have? As soon as we call them or the, you know, and th- these are not the as needs we work on a regular basis, but you call and they're like, well, what kind of job is it? Like, what what would I be doing? It's, like, yeah. it's a job, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's a job. So until you identify yourself and make yourself known as having a certain set of skill set that you're really valuable in, you got to take the work that comes your way. That's a good point, too. And, and I want to address something both you guys said you know, about what we're talking about right now. Cause I, I am, I think in this first segment, it is really good to talk about, you know, again, like what both of you have said is the, the job as a whole, right. And, and coming off of the, the winter that we've had and coming into a summer and, and, and potentially a very busy summer, especially in places like California and, and heavy development areas, but in futures in the next segment, and maybe the one after that, I do want to get into, okay, you're, you're, you're in the situation that you're in. How can you do these little micro improvements to, you know, to help with your burnout while you're out in the field and while you're doing these different things. But the first thing to try to solve is, yeah, try to try to balance how much work you're doing, the type of work that you're doing. And Heather, a quick comment on your 70, 30 theory. I'm going to make the assumption that you're talking about your actual work day, like 70% of your work day is something you may not like doing. And 30% is the stuff that you do like doing. And that's that I could probably get around, but not if it's like your entire day and your whole life. Cause I got to say some, a lot of people stick around in jobs that they don't like at all. Like the whole entire job is crappy and that will prevent burnout. I mean, really fast, right? It depends on what you call crappy, right? We're talking, I'm not talking about, I'm, I'm not talking about, you know, work that's very unsatisfying, whatever, but there's some things like not everything is going to be, you know, butterflies and bunnies, you know, you're, you're going to have things that are not so much fun and you're going to get into a job and you're going to think, Oh, wait a minute. I thought this was going to be more fun. And, and Mm -hmm. it's not. 
that there's full of, there's lots of, you know, form writing and things like that. You have to do those things in order to do the fun stuff. That's just the yeah. way it is. But, you know, I, I just, the point I made with that, and I'll make it so we can move on, is that, you know, people not willing to do certain work is overloading. I see it all, all over the place. It's overloading people that are willing to work. And those people are the ones that are getting burned out. The ones that are like, Johnny on the spot, I'll do whatever you need. Those are the ones that are getting burned out because we need them and others are not yeah. willing to work. But anyway. Yeah. Yep. All right, Doug. Yeah. I would I'm gonna sort of advise the, the opposite direction. And this is actually coming from sort of a project management sort of point of view as well. In that like like eighty percent of your grief probably comes from like, you know, it's the eighty twenty rule. About eighty percent of your grief mm-hmm. comes from about like twenty percent of your clients. And <laughs> You you should drop those those clients, and I think it's actually probably a good thing. Obviously, Heather, it'll be annoying from your point of view, but possibly what's keeping people like from burning out is actually being a bit more picky. And it would probably be good if people were, and then also, in a sense, being able to walk away for a little while, like maybe go do a different job for six months or something mm-hmm. and recharge your batteries. You know, I don't know, do one of those, those jobs they always advertise for like, be a cruise archaeologist, you know, go on a cruise and give lectures or something oh. like that. Past um, Brazil just are, had one of those come out. Yeah. Well, that's, that's yeah. what I'm thinking of is, but they've always, yeah. they've always had those things, but like, obviously it doesn't pay well and there's things like that. And it's, I, I actually think that like, being a bit selective in the in the work you do can really help you keep from burning out. Yeah. And, and I think that I, I think that's a problem that goes all the way, not just from like individuals, but also like all the way to the. Well, sorry, I shouldn't say it's all individuals, not just from techs, but all the way to the top, where you get you get burnout of like the senior people because they won't say no to certain projects, um, and they just keep going. And I think mm-hmm. no would be like. Sorry, I mean to solve everyone's problems, but like, just say no. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, I hear you. Would probably help with a lot of burnout. Yeah, yeah, I I absolutely agree with Doug. Like, that's my only mechanism is just to basically start with no for everything. Just start at no for every single thing and make them convince you this is something that wants to happen. And I think this is, you know, the the problem with CRM because uh, just in general, like I'm seeing this overall of you know the the students that are going through right now, they're absolutely unwilling at all to do stuff that doesn't, you know, align with any kind of mission. If they don't see anything bigger going on with it, then they're, they're just going to walk away from it or they'll treat it like they do every single other thing. Like, you know, it's just something to use, toss in the garbage when you're done or, you know, conserve, cut back get the cheapest one. It doesn't really matter. Right. So, you know, there's, there's services and other items that they don't value, and the stuff that they do value, they'll go full on in and work their butts off and stay up all night. You know, that's that's what's motivating, you know, the top students from finishing college. That's what's keeping them moving forward because they can see that there's something bigger in their future that, you know, dovetails with this effort, this huge effort they're doing for college. And so that's the that's the big thing. You know, if if you can't convince me that this is worthwhile, then I'm just going to stay at no. And I used to say, like, no, thank you. And now I just say no. So sometimes the response is just no. And that's what ends up happening with, you know, a lot of students who are trying to get into cultural resources. There's never really a statement on 
what the value and why they would even want to do this for their future. And that's why they're just kind of like, nah, that's all right. I'll just do something else. Like I'll just do a job that I don't really care about whatsoever. Job hop exactly every 24 months, just like I'm supposed to, because that's how I move forward. Cause I don't really care at all about my employment. If you don't care about cultural resources, you're not going to do it. And so that's the key piece that's missing. Mm-hmm. All right. Thanks for that, Bill. We're going to continue talking about this, of course, and, and probably take it in a couple of other directions in the next segments. So stand by and listen to these words from our, hopefully we have sponsors and advertisers in there because, you know, we don't want to do this for free <laughs> and we want to keep it free for you guys. But take a look down at your devices at the links and anything else that we have down there in the show notes, because there's a lot of good stuff there. Back in a minute. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks. Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Welcome back to the CRMR podcast, episode 264. And we're talking about burnout, more specifically preventing burnout. And Heather, I think you had another comment at the end of the last segment. Go ahead. Well, I'm going to be a mom here. (laughs) (laughs) I understand. I I totally get the concept of wanting to have something that inspires you, wanting to to work in archaeology and do what it is that you dreamt about doing. But sometimes life isn't exactly what you thought it was going to be. Everybody has this experience where you realize there's doldrums a part of every single job. Mm -hmm. There's no job where everything is exciting all the time. In fact, if everything is exciting all the time, then it's not exciting anymore, right? So you have to have balance. And I just wish that people would understand. I totally understand drawing parameters. In fact, I really respect people that do that because I'm lousy at it. (laughs) And that's why I work as many hours as I do. But people need to understand that there are some, some parts, not that you're doing something unethical or not that you're doing things that are, you know, just like, spirit draining or whatever. That's not what I'm talking Mm -hmm. about. I'm talking about the boring stuff. So that kind of, those things, they teach you also. And you have to experience every aspect of this job to get good at it. And sometimes some of those doldrums and those those things that everybody's been doing rote, you may have a skill set that allows you to improve that that way or that process, right? Mm -hmm. Not you know, you don't want to get into the, I'm going to reinvent the wheel on everything because there's a reason why things are the way they are. But sometimes, you know, that's innovation. That That's something that that will excite you, right? So you got to accept all portions of, of the job. But I think one way of mixing things up a little bit to get back to what do you do when you're in the field to keep from burning out is 
two things, either separating yourself and having a hobby that's completely separate from archaeology altogether, just give your brain a rest. And then the other thing to me would be set aside, be disciplined and set aside at least 30 minutes a day to do something towards advancing in your career, whether it be a skill set, whether it be just learning about regulations or something that's going to help you take that next step in your job. It doesn't happen. It's too easy when you're so busy and burned out to get stuck being busy at this stage in your career that you'd never progress. You see it all the time because people are just, they're not intentional about improving. And so Mm -hmm. that would be the one thing. And if you feel like you are doing something that's helping you become a better archeologist and putting you in a position where you can move up in your career, that to me would help with the burnout. Indeed. Good points. Yeah. I would just agree with Heather. I feel like this is the segment that strikes back against the previous segment and be like, hey, man, sometimes the job is just the grind and you got to deal with it. So how do we (laughs) deal with the grind? Right. How do we how do we deal with that? And I think Heather said that key term of hobbies. And I swear, like I find hobbies just so important for just your human psyche and health. I love hobbies so much. I've been thinking of doing a second YouTube channel just called Kinkella Has Hobbies, just (laughs) talking about hobbies because I think it's so important. Again, you know, when we're in this line of work to get your brain away from it because it can just totally take you down. So a couple examples that have worked for me in the field, bring a musical instrument like for Mm. yourself. You know, if you already Mm. know how to play it, take it up again. If you've always been wondering about it, go ahead and buy one and just you can have it in your hotel room and you can hang out and just try for a while. And it's really relaxing and it's like really fun and it's good for your brain. I always used to do that with a with a guitar. Now, little sub note on the guitar itself, I would recommend bringing an electric guitar, actually, because an electric guitar unplugged is quieter than an acoustic guitar. And oh, good point. Yeah, yeah, while you're learning, nobody wants to hear your sweet tones. You know what I mean? So like headphones uh, un- these days, too. I mean, come on. I know that's that's what I would do. So like uh, unplugged electric guitar, but through headphones or something. And then you're like yeah. not annoying. And it's like super fun. Another thing I would do is sometimes have like like a theme when, when you move place to place. It'd be like, hey, man, every place we're going to try the tacos at like the best taco restaurant in Bakersfield. (laughs) And then we're going to compare them to the one in Yuma. And we're just going to do that at each place. You know, so you kind of get this like, hey, let's see the next place. And it's kind of positive. We're going to try the tacos in each place and compare and contrast, you know, and you can use anything like that for yourself. It's something to look forward to. It's something that's kind of fun. I, I, and, I really hope yeah. there's there's no comparison between the tacos in Bakersfield and the ones in Yuma, by the way, because the ones in Yuma are pretty goddamn good. <laughs> I know, but, but you can have like a uh, secret, interesting, you know, ones, ones where you'd never think they were good. You're like, oh my God, there's this <laughs> place true. here. It's killer. Yeah. So it's just, it's something positive <laughs> and fun. Another one that I would do is you can have like an outdoor thing that you do. Like some people like hiking and they can try new hiking trails. I know if you're working in the field all day, you're like, ugh, I don't feel like going outside. But some people do. My thing was swimming. 
I would like mm. try and swim anywhere. If they had like the world's worst hotel pool, I would try it out. <laughs> if we're near the ocean, I would try it out. If there was a lake, I would try it out. Like it's again, something that was me. I enjoy swimming and something that was just like lighthearted and fun, but hobbies, man, mm-hmm. hobbies. And I got even yeah, more yeah. we can talk about later, but that to me is like the like way to success. Before we get to Bill and Doug real quick, guys, I just want to mention something on the hobbies too. this whole entire podcast network. And definitely this podcast was born out of that philosophy because I I've always had a hard time just, you know, sitting still and doing nothing. Even when we're just like watching TV or something in the evening, I've got to be like doing something right. And one of those things was, and and this really, this really all came out of the sacra, what is it? The San, San Francisco SAAs like 12 years ago or something like that. I first got onto Twitter and I went to a blogging archaeology session. And then I started my blog literally that day and my Twitter account that day. And just like explored this whole new world of people who were doing this whole online thing. And, and, and I really, really took to that. And I wrote my blog for a long time. There's close to 300 posts in there. And then the desire to continue that blog in another way is what led to my first podcast and then what eventually led to me meeting Bill and then Bill and I talking about starting this podcast. And then we met Doug and, and Steven and the others that we started this with. And then the podcast started and then the podcast led to the APN. And that was all born out of just wanting to do something in the evenings (laughs) and to talk about stuff and to have another outlet. You know what I mean? It makes so so much sense. Yeah. I really appreciate that. I think Heather's spot on i think this is a problem with archaeology and that also leads to a lot of uh burnout is like a job is a job it's there to provide you with money to be able to do the things you like and unfortunately in archaeology there's definitely a huge blurring of the lines between what is your job and what is your hobby I think Andrew's had some good points on that about, you know, getting other hobbies and stuff. But I do think it's tough for a lot of people who possibly expect a little bit too much out of a job when it comes to archaeology. And I think a lot of people get burned out in that it's supposed to be fun, but, you know, also it's a job. And then um, a lot of identity stuff that happens in there as well, where people like... (sighs) You, you talk to people in other professions, the job that they do is not sort of like a self-identifying thing. Like salespeople are not like, yes, I'm a Best Buy salesperson. That's all I do. That's what I do 100% of the time. That's what I do in my off time. I go to, uh, to field schools about uh, Best Buy and all this stuff. Whereas like archaeology, you run into that a lot. And I would say possibly to help with that with the burnout is if you having trouble being able to stick to separate out a job and hobbies maybe walk away from archaeology i know it's odd to say uh, on this sort of podcast like this but honestly i know so many people who enjoy archaeology once they retire and they go to like community digs and just have fun and then these people have been like miserable for like three decades basically hate archaeology and then found a way to love it again and i'm not sure a job is is should be the place where you both have pays for everything you do it also is you know yourself your identification you know who you are plus also is supposed to entertain you i think that's putting a lot of pressure 
on one thing, and I have to go with Andrew, like diversify. And if diversification matters, leave archaeology and have that be your hobby as opposed to the other way around. Yeah. Yeah, I I absolutely agree, too. I mean, uh, we do have too much all hanging on the same thing. And some of the ways that I've been able to cope when I was doing CRM full time was gamifying workouts. I I was with Andrew on that, doing something like saying in, you know, three months, I'll run a 5K or something like that, and then set up a series of running, you know, challenges to run one mile, then two miles, and I would keep up with it in the field, too. And you know, other challenges too. There was a guy I used to work with, George Tinsith, and he recommended this book, Your Body is a Gym. And so we would do these body weight exercises when we were walking all day in our hotel rooms. And then we would try to make it up the levels that they were saying, you know, these different, you know, Navy SEALs can do X amount of sit-ups or whatever. We would do those kind of activities in our hotel rooms as ways to, you know, just have something else to do, but then also be working towards some kind of goal. And then I'm one of these people who falls into these deep, weird obsessions. Like for the last, I don't know, 10 years or so, I got super obsessed with like the early 1900s and World War One, and learning all about all this different stuff that was going on in all these different countries in World War One. But then started to think about, you know, stuff like, well, what was, you know, a baker's everyday life like in world, mm-hmm. you know, in the early 1900s? Or what was it like if you were a kid in the early 1900s? What kind of school did you go to? What kind of you know, clothes did you wear and all this stuff? And I mean, that goes into learning about artifacts, but just learning more about everyone's everyday life, reading books from the early 1900s as my hobby when I was stuck in hotel rooms. And, you know, you mentioned Yuma. That's one of the places that you can be sentenced to if you do archaeology in, in Arizona. But uh, yeah, you know, when you're when you're watching all these YouTube videos and all this different stuff about a certain time period, you can end up being this person who kind of knows quite a bit about something that a lot of people aren't really thinking about. And I know other folks who've had different kinds of hobbies that involved with like learning about people's clothes from different time periods and then making those clothes, you know, kind of like cosplay or, you know, other kinds of, you know, sewing and other, other things, Uh, you know, people who are super into steampunk and make all kinds of really cool stuff, but also checking out, you know, all these different comics and anime I'd never seen before, but then, you know, being interested in the early 1900s going into this, you know, rabbit hole is something that you can, you can use your time. You're not really thinking about work. It's something totally different. It's something super nerdy, which archeologists are excellent at being nerds. And, you know, it, it takes your mind off of it so that your job is not everything in your, your entire life. Right. I'm so glad to hear you say that. I thought I was the only one. So what I do is just like you. I like perseverate down on a thing and it's kind of weird, but I get so much joy out of it, man. You know, and so and that all kind of rotates into the whole hobby thing. And I think it ends up being very positive because like you said, Bill, you like learn a ton, you know, about this little tiny sliver of the world. And it kind of oddly rotates into archaeology, too. You're still using your skill set from archaeology, which is why yep. you love archaeology, the research, mm-hmm. the investigative part process, all of that. You're you're still using it. So it doesn't have to be like a hobby doesn't have to be so separate. It can still use those things. Yeah, I, I think that's why a lot of archaeologists write books. 
Yeah, all the things that will deter you from having a partner in life. <laughs> you know, stone tools. Oh, yeah, I'm pretty sure that'll work excellently on your, your dating profiles. Talk all about your stone tools. World War One. Oh, yeah, I'm pretty sure there's people lining up to date someone who's all about World War One. Yeah, so, you know, all the stuff that'll make you repulsive to the normal world, just do all of that as your, as your coping mechanism. Listen, there's 9 billion people on the planet. Somebody's going to really get into that. I'm just saying. Yeah, there's the, the other ones who made the YouTube video series as I've watched you know, yeah. time and time again on World War One. Those, the, All eight of those people are the only matches I have. Yeah, guys. I don't know. I don't think anyone here has done like modern dating through the apps. No. Like, no. I, I miss, I miss that. In World but War I. With, I can't like, that yeah, my friends and... My my family are going through that, and uh, you would wow. like to think that you would be matched with that person who also likes stone tools. That's not how that works, guys. That's not how that works at all. Uh, oh no! Uh-oh. Yeah, I just break it to you. Oops. Hey, I think we just came up with the next business idea. I'm gonna end the segment with this. Uh, we need to have a, like an like an like an archaeo dating site. It's, we'll just call Ooh. it archaeometric, right? I don't yeah, know. Yeah. Could be have one, archaeologists. Yeah. Yes. So I, I, just just naming it already, like I already <laughs> can see us having problems. I know. I know. We can't even decide on a union, which is a tough topic to, to talk about. You just make one comment on Facebook and it descends into chaos. Or so, the, yeah, I, I just, there's just so much, there's just so much. Yeah. That I don't really, I don't know. All right. Well, <laughs> there's so much more to this podcast, so let's take a break and continue it on the other side with the last segment back in a minute. You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Welcome back to the CRM Archaeology Podcast, episode 264. And we're talking about burnout. And this is the final segment. So we got to wrap it all up today right now. So one of the things I wanted to, to discuss, well, first off, we were talking about you know, saying no to certain jobs and things like that in the very first segment. But I did want to th- mention something I was thinking about that my wife and I actually did because we were we were getting burned out working in the southeast. I got to tell you, uh, the job was OK, that the hours were OK. We were working with a company that was basically had us Monday through Friday because everywhere we would go was not that far away. So we didn't have to do like 10 on four off. But we did do Monday through Friday, usually in a hotel room a few hours away, something like that, just because obviously it's you know better for the field work that way. And that wasn't bad. It was actually pretty tame, you know, eight hour days, including the drive time and, you know, all that was okay. But the archaeology was just, sometimes it was really great. Like uh, this, never forget this one project where you literally just 
dig a shovel test it was all like one strat so you put the whole thing in your screen and then lift up your screen and it was just a pile of ceramics <laughs> like almost every single time it was just super cool I actually got almost old finding ceramics because we found so many I mean tens of thousands of sherds across like 2500 shovel tests and it was ridiculous but then a lot of times it was just hacking through the Georgia South Carolina North Carolina brambles in the summertime when they're nice and green and and hard to cut through and then they just they they cut you anyway I still have scars over all of my arms from those stupid projects and then on top of that you don't find anything right you're just in these areas where you're just struggling for an hour to get to your next shovel test 30 minutes away and then you dig it and there's nothing there and it's like why am I doing this to my life right now and then then there's ticks and and mosquitoes the size of helicopters and snakes and it's just like what are we doing here and so we made the very conscious decision to pull up stakes and basically we we tried to get jobs in the west but nobody would hire us because we didn't have the experience in the west and we didn't really know you know about moving around so we decided we we got rid of our um, apartment we got rid of both of our vehicles and bought a Toyota 4Runner because we we both had separate vehicles at the time and uh, basically puts all our stuff in storage and, and and as much as we could in the forerunner for living in hotels and camping. And we shovel bummed our way across the United States for about a year until we made it over to Nevada. And Nevada is where we, uh, we really enjoyed being. And we spent a decade in Nevada after that, you know, ended up going and getting all our stuff and bringing it back to Nevada and, and, and stayed out here. And that, that dramatically improved our, I think just our psyche and our well being Cause for us in particular, we liked that area better. And it was just, it was just better for us because your, your worst day in Nevada, I've always said on survey where you don't find anything is just a hike in the beautiful high desert. You know, you might not find anything that day, but it's just really cool areas that you're in. And it was, it was super fun. So that can be one way to, to help prevent burnout is just try to work in another region. I know that's not possible for a lot of people, (laughs) but try to go somewhere else. (laughs) Bill, you've worked all over the place. Yeah, I can I can agree. I worked in Virginia for a while, and at least it was Northern Virginia, so it was close to DC and all that stuff. But it was still Virginia. Mm-hmm. And there's something yeah. about it being 103 in Arizona versus 103 <laughs> in Virginia. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just being able to see humidity underneath the streetlights oh. because it's just so wet, and you get out of the shower, you dry off, and you're wet. And then your clothes are wet that you put on. Like you need a machete just to cut through the air in Virginia yeah, in know. the summertime. Yeah, yeah. So it's, <laughs> so I, I I could definitely see that too. And I I could also say you know there's uh, like I was just mentioning about going down a rabbit hole on one topic and learning a lot about it. There, you know, there's also something to be said about learning about a whole different time period or different kinds of artifacts. Like yeah. if you spent all your time learning about lithics. Yeah, go ahead and learn about metal. It's one of the one things that no one ever wants to learn about. But if you think about it, there's more artifacts made out of metal than were ever created that are still around, you know, than Mm -hmm. uh, formal projectile points or actual tools, right? So learning about these different kinds of pieces of metal and different car parts, other different kinds of ceramics, you know, paper, all different kinds of maps. I mean, there's a, a whole bunch of different stuff that you can learn about that you might find really interesting. And that also kind of breaks through the burnout. Because it, it, you know, if you're standing there monitoring all day, but yeah, uh, you know, if you if you spent some time learning about the map of what stores used to be there, and you know, maybe what used to be there, or different tribes and groups that used to live in that area, you know, that some of that stuff could kind of cut through while you're just standing there waiting. You know, you're hoping that you'll find something that you just read about. 
It's interesting you say that because I used my I used my blog kind of for that uh, when I started writing the blog. My first few years in in archaeology, I did not like historics at all. Right, I was just never. It's not that I didn't like historics. I just wasn't <laughs> into archaeology that was that recent. You know what I mean? I I first got interested in this whole field through paleoanthropology. So I'm looking at stuff that's hundreds of thousands and, and millions of years old. Right, and I went to Africa for a field school in Olduvai Gorge. I mean, I was just way into paleo, and when I resigned myself to CRM, I was really more interested in prehistoric and, and, and really old stuff. And the, you know, the original, you know, who got here first type questions. And then, you know, after I'd started my blog and we were in certain areas, especially Nevada, Nevada brought this out too, because there's a lot of historic mining and ranching and stuff like that in Nevada that you end up finding. And I mean, I have a whole blog post on dimensional lumber, right? Like I had no idea yeah. that, you know, wood of different sizes could actually give you a, a sense of age. And I learned about the International Lumber Congress of the 1930s, you know, it's like, what the hell is that? And and then deep diving like different can types and ceramics and glass. And, and when you get down to it, it is incredibly interesting how you can you can almost date down to the year that a site was probably, you know, like something was probably mm-hmm. dumped there or used yeah. with with historics. And it's just yes. that became fascinating to me. And it's all yeah. because I had the downtime in the hotel rooms in the evening to kind of research it and then write about it. Yeah. Yeah, and also, you know, the advertisements are directly connected to all that stuff, right? So that Lumber Congress actually had a <laughs> call for people, and they have, they're have they connected to all these other, yeah. you know, lumber ads. And so you start to see, you know, how are they portraying lumber in 1935 in, you know, uh, Washington or in Nevada? Like, how are they selling sure. it? What are they telling people to think about? The same thing with, you know, all these other different kinds of things different houses right so it's made with wood that's from oregon well why is the oregon wood better okay let's go down that rabbit hole let's figure out more about Mm -hmm. oregon and and what what role they were in the lumber congress and you start to learn all this different stuff that once again you you wouldn't necessarily go down that pathway unless you kind of took the time to turn off social media and, and just focus on something else yeah for sure for sure heather you know so i'm gonna say something that might be unhealthy (laughs) with burnout and trying to get away from it i it, it's not like you know Dr- drugs, drugs isn't the answer i was gonna say i don't know i don't know some of us <laughs> need to make it. it it's my kind of drug right it, it is drug. <laughs> are we talking deep fried uh, butter or something like this is this where we're going <laughs> <laughs> I, I really hope we're going that way well, I'm about to say it's going to be totally anticlimactic now that I set it up that way. But anyway, um, the idea, I, people are like, sometimes they're like, well, you hear this all the time. I want to do a hobby that's going to pay me something, right? So mm-hmm. the, everything that you're saying really does, it reminds me that there's one aspect that I'm passionate about with reports. And that is making sure that background sections are not just boilerplate, throw it in there, really has nothing mm-hmm. to do with the area. It's just a regional overview, right? But that really does kind of get into the nitty gritty of the area because otherwise, what's the purpose of having a background context? You know, if it isn't customized to some extent, like the first part of it. So that leads me to if you enjoy personally, you know, I moved around a little bit, you know, throughout my young adulthood and then up until now, I've moved a lot. And one way. I love a sense of home. I loved where I grew up in Chicago. It was hard for me to leave. And so for me to understand and get into living in a certain place, I would learn about its history. And 
that's something that I really enjoy doing and I've carried that over. And so if that is something that you want to do and you want to do that deep dive, quote unquote, on an area that you're working in, you're there for a few months. The one thing that is always difficult to do at the end, it's the last thing I, I'm like, oh my gosh, I forgot to customize the background context and the reports due today. So if that's something you enjoy doing, talk to your manager or talk, Talk to the crew supervisor, whoever it is that you're working for, and say, hey, listen, I like doing research. Can I do the local history background context for this? And so while you're working in the field, that will also help you understand the area better. And it's a, a way of you getting paid. Because I'm telling you that it is really the last thing that people think about, but it is important. It's very important to a report to understand the local history. And, and a yeah. lot of times you don't have that. That's not boilerplate that you have. And especially it's not boilerplate you have for that piece of property. So mm -hmm. that might be a way that you can have a little fun with research kind of outside, just understand the area. Plus you get paid for it. So, yeah, indeed. All right. So we're going to spend the last 10 minutes talking about deep frying because that's how we should do it. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Actually, what I was going to say is burnout. Uh, I mean, it probably hasn't been classified yet, but you're talking about pretty much a, a mental health issue and that it's also going to be very difficult and a lot of overlap between burnout and depression. I would say if people are experiencing burnout, it can be really hard to get out of it. And I would definitely recommend if you can get any sort of mental health therapy or even just being able to get to, to be able to talk to someone, I think it would, it, it would kind of help because I, I would say like for most people, one, get professional help, but two is, is like get someone you can talk to who can ask you really simple and very obvious questions because a lot of people when they get in burnout they don't have a way of getting out like it's like a lot of them just basically get stuck in a rut because it, you know there's a big overlap with depression and it helps to have someone be like ask like really dumb questions that you and challenge you on those questions because people just say it's that like not possible you can't do that you can't do this because mm -hmm. i actually see i i mean there is a lot of burnout definitely at the entry level and as we've all talked about like i'm not sure there's anyone who really likes working in a place where the driest you feel is when you're in the shower and that, that that's the <laughs> most refreshing you feel um i i couldn't i can't do humidity there there is that sort of burnout but you you end up with like a lot of people at sort of the top or middle management levels who get really burned out and don't have a way of figuring out how to change their circumstances and you really need someone there to be able to help you and ask those simple questions. You'll be people like, you'll see like these business people, you know, have a company and be like, well, you know, I, I just have to keep working those 80 hours, those 80 hours. And then I just need to make it for like another like 10 years and then someone else can take over. And the, the very obvious answer to that is like sell. And they'll be like, no, no, I have to support people. I have to do all this and all that stuff. And it's like, do you have to really? I think you need to get someone who can ask you those questions like, do you really need to do this? Is it absolutely a necessity and help you sort of get out of those 
mm-hmm. mental health blocks that come with burnout. You know, there's a lot of stuff that uh, can cause burnout too, of course, right? People's own circumstances, for example. You never know what somebody's going through. And that's something important to remember as crew chiefs and project managers and field directors when you're dealing with people that, you know, they may come to work with a with a little attitude sometimes, especially on day nine of a 10 day or something like that. And, or even day four of a five day, but on a three month project, maybe there's just, you know, some stuff going on and it's helpful to, I I don't know, just be cognizant of that and maybe even take them aside and say, Hey, is there anything I can help you with? You know, you want to get into it too much, but say, is there anything I can, you know, can you want a day off, you know, something like that? Is there anything we can do here to, you know, help you get back in the game, so to speak? Everybody's not going to be on every single day, but, you know, just help you get back, Heather. Yeah, I would just say that the one thing that is important with burnout and, and you know, I've, I've gone through that too, where you're thinking, what in the world am I doing that's going to help, that's helping this world, you know? And I think that it's an, an innate in all of us to have some kind of spiritual food and whatever that spiritual food mm-hmm. is for, for you personally. But I think lasagna. being able, what's that? Lasagna. Go ahead. No, right. <laughs> and you know, I don't, I'm not getting weird here. I'm just, I'm just saying that like we have, there's something in all of us humans to have something and whatever that is for you, or if you don't have it, finding something that allows you to just kind of feed your soul. Um, it doesn't yeah. have to be just information. It can be something like meditation. I think where you're relaxing your brain and just allowing you to just get centered I, without sounding weird, whatever that is for you. I do think that that's something that sometimes in this day and age, and we're, we're getting so cynical about mm-hmm. life. And so we're not allowing ourselves to be spiritual beings. And I really think that, you know, that's an important part of life. And so yeah. I think one way of, of making sure that you don't get burned out is allowing yourself some time to be spiritual. And I see Doug's comments. No, I'm not eating brownies, special kind of brownies right now. It was just brownies. I, I was debating cookies. I was going to go cookies, but you know, it, it works, but actually it works both ways. Like I, honestly, I have just to go on that. Like I know we're saying, I don't think we can advocate for psychedelic drugs on a podcast, but I do have people I know who they do do sort of religious things where like, if they're at a big point in their life, they go and drop some mushrooms for decision-making. Um, I think there's different ways of people to be spiritual or they go to church. I mean, there's quite a bit of different ways of doing it. Catholic, mm-hmm. you know, I will say I, and, and it's fun because my team were so supportive. I was so I was burnout. I still am a little, <laughs> but I was not, I was running around. My brain was spinning all the time and I couldn't focus. And I finally decided my, my husband's a very, he is a, he's, he's a good Catholic boy. He goes to mass every day. <laughs> and mm-hmm. that's a Catholic, that's a Catholic thing. It's not, mm-hmm. not ever. And I grew up Protestant, but anyway, I started to saying, okay, you know, I'm going to stop my day at five o'clock and I'm going to go to, go to mass. And evening masses are usually pretty quick. They're 20 minutes or 30 minutes. And so 
I did that and it was it was good because it gave me a stop in my day to say I'm not working past this time. Sometimes I I'm I still work at night, but it still gave me a break in my day. Otherwise, especially with COVID, the way everything is kind of mushed together and you're working at all different hours of the day, to have that one time where you stop, it's a hard stop right then in order to do this one thing every day it was very methodical and very you know, routine. It definitely helped me. I'm not always good about doing it, but that, that was my thing. And, you know, everybody has their own thing, but I, I highly suggest it. I think, I think it, it did help me a lot. Okay. This has all been really great stuff and really quick comment on the, the food thing, Heather. I totally agree. That goes back to what Bill was saying with, uh, you know, Hey, have a thing where you look at the best tacos in a town, (laughs) which is cool. But one of the things for me is I love breakfast, right? And my wife and I've been traveling for, it's coming up on three years here in June constantly. Like we haven't been to a home because we sold our house, right? We spent some time at family occasionally, but we've been essentially on the road for three years solid. And while we're, we're not doing field work necessarily doing that, we are working the whole time we're doing that. And it's kind of a, a similar situation. And one of the things that regardless of the town that we're in, that kind of brings me back is, is having a good breakfast at a, at a nice little diner or cafe or something like that on the weekend, right? You can't do it every day, of course, but just like on the weekend or something on a Sunday or a Saturday, that kind of thing is, is nice to do, which made Mexico really tough. Mexico, I don't really like Mexican breakfast all that much. And there weren't too many places that had, well, there wasn't any in the town that we were in that had like a, what I would consider like an American style breakfast. That was actually a little disappointing for me, but to be honest, that's one of the things so uh, that we look forward to uh, going different places. But I would also say, just as we're closing out this podcast, you know, first off, if you've got any ideas that will help wherever you see this posted, maybe leave something in the comments. And I'll just leave a, a couple other tips. They're, they're actually in one of the resources I put down, which is in my book, which is kind of like customizing your hotel room. You know, if you have to live in a hotel room, sometimes they can feel very hotel y, right? Uh, well, bring your own little things to put up, bring up a, bring a picture or bring a, you know, some little, some little trinkets or something you keep with you and just little, little touches that make the room feel like yours. And in some cases, even maybe rearrange the furniture, but take a picture before you do that and put it back before you're done. Sometimes it's not possible because it's all nailed to the floor of the wall, but you know, otherwise (laughs) move things, move things around, you know, don't go out to eat every night. Yeah. Stay away from hotels like that though. Hotels that have... Sometimes though, but like if you're working in small town Nevada, there's usually like only one or two choices, and you get what you get. <laughs> so, um, but anyway, yeah, bring those little touches, and you know, just try to have a normal evening, and don't see it as a don't see every project as either like vacation or a field school or or something that's not your normal job. That's what a lot of new people in the field do is, and including myself, you know, you you end up seeing every project because you see different people, different place, different hotel room. You usually associate hotel rooms with vacation or travel, not with work. And that's a really hard mind shift to have is to make that switch and then to switch back when you actually are on vacation in a hotel room. He's like, it's really weird to say that, but everybody who's done field work knows exactly what I'm talking about. So anyway, there's a lot more we could talk about and, uh, you know, maybe we'll bring this up again in the future, but I think we'll leave it right there. Check out our sponsors in the show notes as well if there's any there. I know there's some for this episode, so check those out. Some of those could actually help with burnout now that I'm saying that out loud. And from that, we will see you guys next time. Goodbye. I'm not I'm not keeping it, Doug. I'm not keeping it. Oh, you have to. You have to. <laughs> this is our contract. Uh, it's a social oh, contract. <laughs> 
That's it for another episode of the CRM Archaeology Podcast. Links to some of the items mentioned on the show are in the show notes for this podcast, which can be found at www.archpodnet.com slash podcast. Please comment and share anywhere you see the show. If you'd like us to answer a question on a future episode, email us. Use the contact form on the website or just email chris at archaeologypodcastnetwork.com. Support the show and the network at arcpodnet.com slash members. Get some swag and extra content while you're there. Send us show suggestions and interview suggestions. We want this to be a resource for field technicians everywhere, and we want to know what you want to know about. Thanks to everyone for joining me this week. Thanks also to listeners for tuning in, and we'll see you in the field. Goodbye, Doug. Goodbye. I'm not Doug, though. (laughs) (laughs) See you guys next time. Well, I guess if if, if if I have to do an outro, I'm just gonna add like an addendum to last week's podcast. We were asked about like a final <laughs> one-line myth. Um, I, I really I missed a beat, and I should have said like you know there's the myth that AI is going to take our uh, our jobs. I should have thrown that in there. Mm-hmm. So that's gonna how I'm gonna end this podcast. But just just adding that comment and on the end there. That's that's another myth that we okay. missed, uh, Chris. Well, that's a that's a new one. It's also a myth that Doug knows how to end a podcast. So with that, <laughs> we will see you guys next week. All right. This episode was produced by Chris Webster from his RV traveling the United States, Tristan Boyle in Scotland, DigTech LLC, Cultural Media, and the Archaeology Podcast Network, and was edited by Chris Webster. This has been a presentation of the Archaeology Podcast Network. Visit us on the web for show notes and other podcasts at www.archpodnet.com. Contact us at chris at archaeologypodcastnetwork.com. You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com aware. Terms apply. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware.